Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There was someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. And now, here is OTR. Jimmy, cook me up some potatoes, will you? Uh, three or four eggs and some of that side meat? Yes, sir, Marshal. It's the Marshal, ain't it? Well, good morning, Mr. Webb. Unless you're expecting company, you could ask me to sit with you. Well, I don't mind. Well, thank you. How'd you make out last night? In the poker game or with Kitty? That cards. <laughs> Seems like everything I say sets you on edge, Marshal. Maybe. Well, I'll tell you, Kitty and I didn't quite hit it off, but I done fine at start. Those boys, Ashton and Trasker, they play cards like boys. Afraid to push their luck. Sometimes that's good. Not at poker, it ain't. Leastwise, I walked home last night with their money in my pocket. Over 500. Ah, that's good winnings. It wasn't hard. Miss Kitty tells me that, uh, you bought the Longhorn. News traveled, don't it? You a gambling man? I don't make my living playing cards, if that's what you mean. Well, it seems that Marshal Dillon has met his match in the form of a man by the name of Mr. Webb, who is a gambler and who now owns a Longhorn where Kitty works. But everyone who seems to come into Dodge, for whatever reason, has a past. And this web has a past as well. Find out what that is when you listen to this Gunsmoke from August 1st, 1953. And the episode is entitled Boy. And I'll be back with my introduction to Frontier Gentlemen in just a moment. I decided to rent a horse and was told by the attendant that if I rode down to the river, I should pay my respects to Nebraska Jack. Yes, sir. Now, if I was a stranger in these parts, I'd sure want to amble down and make his acquaintance. What does he do? Do? He don't do nothing right now, except sit around and take his ease. It's what he did that counts, mister. Old Jack. Ain't nothing much he can't tell you about the opening up of this country. That is, if he feels like it. Now, if I was you, I'd buy me a bottle of gut warmer and take it on down to him. Best way I know to loosen up his talking talents. Oh? Uh-huh. Well, uh, do you happen to know where I could... Uh, so it happens I got a couple of bottles right here. Yeah, old Jack's favorite brand. 
Never drinks nothing else. <laughs> As you probably could tell, this is a very interesting episode of Frontier Gentlemen from August 3rd, 1958. And the episode, of course, is entitled Nebraska Jack. Enjoy this, and I'll be back next week with more Frontier Gentlemen and Gunsmoke. Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke. Starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Mr. Dillon, on evenings like this, I feel kindly towards everybody. Uh, is that so, Chester? Yes, sir. It's a peaceful. There's no cowboys hurrahing up and down Front Street, no shooting, no fights, almost no nothing. <laughs> well, that doesn't upset you, does it? Oh, my, no, Mr. Dillon. I like it this way. Puts me some in mind of Texas. Texas? Well, now, Mr. Dillon, I don't mean there isn't some dust raising done down there from time to time. <laughs> I sometimes wake old don't cool off from sunset to sunup. <laughs> That's so. Yes. Well, I'm going to walk down to the Texas Trail, Chester, and have a beer with Kitty. Well, sir, I'll just sit here and think some. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I'll come get you if anything happens. <laughs> yeah, you do that, Chester. I was uh, kind of looking for you. Oh, you got time for a beer? Sure. You want to go over to a table? Oh, the bar's cooler. Uh, Sam, set up some beer for me and Miss Kitty, will you? Why, sure, my yeah. It's kind of quiet in here tonight. Uh, the whole town's quiet, Matt. Too hot for trouble, maybe. Uh, sometimes heat brings trouble, Kitty. Makes people ouchy. <laughs> Kitty, bring your beer and come over to the table. I need more luck. Sorry, Webb, I can't right now. Of course you can. Come on. I said I'm sorry, Webb. Your friend will wait for you. Sure. Webb, this is Marshal Dillon, Webb Johnson. How are you? Marshal, you won't mind if I take Kitty away for a while, will you? I think Miss Kitty gave you her answer. I heard what she said. But maybe she feels kind of obligated to stay, seeing as you're a marshal. I don't figure my being a peace officer has anything to do with what Miss Kitty decides. Maybe not. But most girls know which side of their bread the butter's on. You better get back to your poker game. Okay. 
But come over to the table, Kitty, when you're free. How long has he been around here? A uh, couple of days, maybe more. You know anything about him? Not much. Why, he's poker, mostly. He doesn't drink too much. Gambler? I don't know if that's his profession, but he likes cards, and he's lucky. <laughs> Figures he is quite a way with women, too. Oh? With you? <laughs> he tries. We were talking last night. He offered me a job. Job? He says he's bought out the Longhorn Saloon. Wants me to come over and be his hostess there. Figures maybe some trade would follow me over. So he bought out the Longhorn, huh? Mm-hmm. He must have some money with him. He's not short. Yeah, he's talky enough to cause trouble sooner or later. Uh, don't mind him, Matt. Yeah. Well, I better get back to the office. Will I see you later, Matt? Uh, no, I don't think so, Kitty. I gotta work. Good night. Sure, you don't want to eat, Chester? Uh, no, sir. Thank you, kind of, Mister Dillon. But I already ate. Oh. I-, I think I'll just walk on down to Depot, maybe. The Depot? Yes, sir. Chester, what in the world do you do down there? Oh, Mister Hightower and me just sort of sit around and socialize. Then, besides, there's a train due in. Sometimes there's all sorts of things. <laughs> all right, Chester. I'll see you later. Yes, sir. Now, Jimmy, cook me up some potatoes, will you? Uh, three or four eggs and some of that side meat? Yes, sir, Marshal. It's the Marshal, ain't it? Well, good morning, Mr. Webb. Unless you're expecting company, you could ask me to sit with him. Well, I don't mind. Well, thank you. How'd you make out last night? In the poker game or with Kitty? That cards. <laughs> Seems like everything I say sets you on edge, Marshal. Maybe. Well, I'll tell you, Kitty and I didn't quite hit it off, but I done fine at start. Those boys, Ashton and Trasker, they play cards like boys. Afraid to push their luck. Sometimes that's good. Not at poker, it ain't. Least twice I walked home last night with their money in my pocket. Over 500. Yeah, that's good winnings. It wasn't hard. Miss Kitty tells me that uh, you bought the Longhorn. News traveled, don't it? You a gambling man? I don't make my living playing cards, if that's what you mean. Are you going to keep on the same boys that are at the Longhorn now? No, Marshal, I'm not. I've got my own way of doing things. Those boys might not understand. So I've got two dealers coming in this morning from St. Louis. We worked together before. Here's your breakfast, Marshal. Fried up some onions for good measure. They kind of bring out the flavor of the eggs some. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. You want beer, coffee? Uh, coffee, I think. Mm-hmm. Bring the pot over. I'll have some, too. Yes, sir. You don't like me much, do you, Marshal? No. Why not? Why don't you like me? Well, for one thing, you talk too much. 
That may be. Let me give you some advice, Mr. Webb. This is an easy town to get killed in. So I've heard. So see to it that the Longhorn runs smooth and easy, huh? Speaking of gambling. Gambling or girls. Well, now, Marshal, there's a lot of money in Dodge these days, what with the trail hurts and the buffalo and all. I'd feel kind of bad if I didn't get my share of it. The money that changes hands in the Longhorn is your business as long as it's honest. You just tell your St. Louis dealers to remember that. You're my preachy for Marshal, ain't you? I'm not interested in the morals of the citizens individually. But when it affects the peace of the whole town, it is my business. Well, now, from the way you talk, I don't imagine you'd be interested in the percentage deal. Or would you? Get out of here. And remember what I said. Why, sure. I'll tell you one thing, Marshal. That star on your chest, don't scare me one bit. Well, good morning, Miss Russell, and how are you this morning? I swear, I don't understand that Webb Johnson. Uh, sit down, Kitty, have some coffee. <laughs> That's why I came by. I figured you'd be eating when there was no one at the office. Uh, Chester's down at the depot waiting for the train. Anything important, Matt? No, just the train. <laughs> he likes trains. <laughs> um, Matt, I had a long talk with Webb last night. No? Yeah, after the game broke up, he bought me some drinks. He say where he was from, Kitty? Uh, Missouri. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Chester? Oh, you should have seen it, Mr. Dillon. My gracious alive. The train no sooner come to a stop. Hello, Miss Kitty. Uh, the train no sooner come to a stop and they begun getting off. Must be 15 or 20 of them. 15 or 20 what? Girls, Mr. Dillon. Girls. In no time at all, the depot platform was just plain crawling with them. Well, they're going to work at the Longhorn. The Longhorn? That's right, Chester. Webb Johnson's bought it. Those are new hostesses. Yeah, they're from St. Louis, Chester. Oh, my goodness, Mr. Dillon. It fair gives a man the shakes to see so many women all at one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll keep, I think. Um, you can go on back to the depot if you want. I'll see you later. Well, don't you want to come look, Mr. Dillon? Well, as he says, Chester, they'll keep. And it was just two nights later that the Longhorn opened with drinks on the house, first come, first served. It was about the biggest night Dodge had seen since the opera house was built. Webb Johnson stood with his back to a bar that was loaded with hard-boiled eggs, Fried onions, dried beef, pickles. While six bartenders tried to keep the thirst of Dodge in check. Chester and I sat back where I could watch the dice table and the new dealers. But it wasn't a night for trouble. Well, Marshal Dillon. So you come to pay us a visit on opening night. Hello, Webb. Not drinking, Marshal. It's on the house, you know. Uh, not tonight, thank you. <laughs> Too bad. I've always made it a practice never to turn down anything free. Well, how about your friend here? Yeah, well, yes, sir. I could use a little whiskey with some sugar in it. I'll send one over to you. Oh, Marshal. Yes, sir. Just by the way. You won't have to worry too much about my cheating the good citizens of Dodge out of their money. 
from what I've seen of them. It won't be too hard to taste. I'll get one of the boys to bring you back that way. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Mr. Dillon, I know you don't like him, but in some ways he's not too bad, is he? Chester, don't ever judge a man by the drinks that he buys you. I'll see you in the morning. to the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, $10 seems like a small amount of money when weighed in the balance of a child's life. Yet a $10 care package, food or clothing, to the war orphans of Korea could easily save a child's life. These children have no parents, homes, or source of food. They are begging for just enough to eat. A contribution in any amount will help. Send it to your local care office, or to CARE New York, or CARE Los Angeles. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. More than two weeks passed in Dodge, and there wasn't any trouble to amount to anything. A couple of buffalo skinners got knifed in a fight to the other side of the river, and that was all. I saw Webb Johnson a couple of times walking along Front Street, each time with one of his new entertainers. But I avoided going into the Longhorn unless I had to. I didn't want any part of him or his saloon. Chester. Chester. Hey! Yeah. Good evening, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> Good evening, Chester. I, I wasn't really sleeping, Mr. Dillon. I, I was just resting my eyes some. Oh, is that so? <laughs> yes, you see, I come back to the office after supper and kind of straightened out your paper some, and, and I just sat down at your desk to read a few reports, and I guess maybe my eyes got a mite strained. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Chester, uh, the way you've been working lately, are you after my job? Oh, Mr. Dillon, I wouldn't never be able to do that. Well, I've been a little worried about it. You've been patrolling the town an awful lot at night lately. Oh, that. Well, to tell the truth, Mr. Dillon, I'd, I'd been keeping company, you might say. Oh. Yes, sir. One of them I, I think she cottons to me some. <laughs> Olive Hasty, her name is. Olive Hasty, huh? She one of the girls from St. Louis? Yes, sir, but she isn't like the others. Oh, she's just as nice and polite. Well, she told me the other night that all she wants to do is find some nice place and settle down. Oh. She purely hates being in this sort of business. She's one of the finest... Marshal Gillum? Oh, yes, that's right. My name's Cook. 
I cook? Mr. Cook? I was thinking maybe you could help me. Well, perhaps I can. I'm looking for a man. I heard he took a train for Dodge about two weeks back. Oh? Well, what's his name? He called himself Sam Williams last time I saw him. Don't know what name he uses now. Oh, there are two or three Williamses in Dodge, Mr. Cook. Oh? What did this man you're looking for have to mark him out? Oh, nothing special. He's a young man, Marshal, maybe 35, 6. Big, too, with dark hair and black eyes. Well, that wouldn't fit any of the Williams men I know. His name wouldn't have to be Williams. Yeah. Now, just why are you looking for this man? I'm going to kill him. That's a funny thing to tell a U.S. Marshal, isn't it, Mr. Cook? I guess it is, Marshal, but I got my reasons. Well, do you mind telling me? No. I've seen a lot of gunfights in my time, and most always there's someone gets killed that had nothing to do with the argument. I figure it's best to stay away from people if there's got to be shots fired. So? So when I came into Dodge, I figured I'd find out from you... If this man was here, and you could tell him to get out of town, I could kill him then out on the prairie somewhere. I see. Well, are you sure you'll kill him? It could work both ways, you know. Oh, I know that, but I'm an old man, so I don't have as much to lose. Why is it you want this William so bad? What did he do? It's not too long a story, Marshal. He was a Missouri raider after the war. He and some other fella come down to my farm one night. He took most everything we had, my wife and I. He was all pretty drunk, I guess. My daughter, she was about 17 then. She was... She... Well, it's not a new story, Marshal. No. Yeah. I didn't have too much reason for staying on there in Missouri, and I've been following this man ever since. Not too fast sometimes, because it <laughs> takes money to eat and travel. But I've been following. You think he came to Dodge? That's right, Marshal. I see. Are you staying here, Mr. Cook? I got me a room for tonight at the Dodge house. Maybe I'll be there for a day or so while I look around. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, I'll remember what you've told me, Mr. Cook. Thank you, Marshal. I sure, sure hope I don't make any trouble over this. Mr. Dillon? Yeah, yeah, I know, Chester. I think it's Webb Johnson, too. Well, what are you going to do? I'll try to get Webb to leave town for a few days until I can get Cook there headed out somewhere else on a false trail. But if that Webb Johnson really did that, shouldn't he go to jail or at least go to trial? We don't know what happened to the Cook Farm other than what he just told us. My guess is he won't ever tell us any more. He figures it's his business to take care of in his own way. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go down to the Longhorn. Have a talk with Webb.
Webb, I want to talk to you. Well, sure, Marshal. What's on your mind? Now, let's step down to the end of the bar, huh? <laughs> now you sound like a peace officer talking. Move. Sure. You look mighty serious, Marshal. What's troubling you? A few minutes back, a man came into my office. He's looking for you. That so? He knows you by the name of Sam Williams. Most folks know me by the name of Webb Johnson. Your man must be thinking of someone else. I don't think so. You could have changed your name. Lots of men have. And you fit the description he gave. Suppose I am the one this man is looking for. What then? What's he want with me? He plans to kill you. I see. What are you going to do with him? Nothing. He doesn't even know you're in town. He came to ask me if you were. He's got a strange way of doing things. Well, he may have his reasons. <laughs> now, why are you telling me this, Marshal? Because you'd probably be just as happy if I got shot in the back. Look, Webb, I want you to get out of town. Give me a chance to steer Cook out into the territory someplace. Get him clear of Dodge. What for? That way we can avoid more killing. <laughs> you don't have to worry about me. I can take care of myself. <laughs> Look, Webb, I'm telling you, get out of town for a while. So I ain't got no plans for leaving? <laughs> Sam Williams! Hello, Si. I've come a long way, Sam. Move him away from him, Marshal. Now listen to me, Si. Now you turn around and go back out that door. I don't want any gunplay. And you turn around slow. No use, Marshal. I found Sam Williams. And I'm going to kill him. Now, Si, listen to me. I don't want Move you... Move away from me. Let's go on! Stop it, Stop it, Stop it, Stop He's dead, isn't he? Yeah, he's dead. Well, he was bound to get himself hurt sooner or later. He was crazy as a hooty owl. Who did this, Webb? Well, why do you ask me that, Marshal? Because Cook told me why he held a grudge against you. Why he was looking for you. You mean that story about the farm and his daughter at all? <laughs> well, now, what about it, Marshal? You couldn't prove nothing now, even if it was true. <laughs> All right. All right, a couple of you men drag this outside and dump it in the street. And you three, you'll carry Cook up to Doc's place. Talk with Webb Johnson, Mr. Dillon? Chester, Cy Cook was shot just five minutes ago. He hurt bad? He's dead. Oh, my goodness. 
Webb Johnson? No, I was standing beside Johnson. It was somebody outside. Well, can't we go after him? No, there's no use at night. He could take 20 directions out of town. Tomorrow's time enough. Marshal Dillon. Well, Miss Olive, what in the no, world? Come here. You'll come after me. I've got to talk to you. Well, what is it, miss? I climbed out a back window and came right over. I know who Webb paid to kill that man. What's that? I was in Webb's room with him when he got the kid drunk and paid him the money. What kid? They called him Slim. That's all I know. It was maybe 16. I thought it was just a joke. I, I didn't know Webb really was going to have a man killed. When was this? Early this evening. One of the dealers came and told Webb he'd seen Cook and Child. That's when it started. You remember what Webb said to the kid? Yes. Is it worth a horse and $100 to you to shoot a man? The kid was drunk and he laughed and said, what color was the horse? You'd swear to this in a court. Marshal, I'm scared. If I thought about it, I wouldn't have come. Maybe Webb will have someone shoot me. <laughs> All right, take it easy now, miss. Now, look, you'll be safe here. You're not going to leave me here. Chester, get me that shotgun. Yes, sir. And take one for yourself. Am I going with you? Yeah, come on. Oh, Marshal Dunsley. You stay here now. Chester, climb up on the bar and shoot the first man that makes the move. Yes, sir. You two men, you dealers, get over against the wall. Now go on, belly up. I'll cut you in half. You make a move. All right, now where's Johnson? I said, where's Johnson? Where is he? He's upstairs, Marshal, in the office. All right, Soros, you're deputized. Stand by the door there. No one goes in or out. Yes. Chester, I'm going upstairs. I've been expecting you, Marshal. Be no need to come upstairs. I'll meet you halfway. your choice, Webb, like any other man. I'm young, Marsh. I haven't had time enough. I didn't want to kill you. Marsh. Marsh. I'm scared. Now I'm scared. Marsh. All right, gentlemen, cut loose and ride for home. Until further notice, the Longhorn Saloon's closed.
Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. The special music was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dubkin, John Daner, Howard McNear, and Charlotte Lawrence. Parley Bear is Chester, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke has been selected by the Armed Forces Radio Service to be heard by our troops overseas. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Plasma is saving many lives that would otherwise be lost at the fighting front in Korea, but the reserve of plasma is almost exhausted. To make sure that an adequate supply is on hand at all times, the Defense Department is asking all of us to contribute blood to the armed forces. You can do so by making an appointment for this life-saving contribution at your local Red Cross or blood donor center. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. I feel that I cannot leave Wyoming Territory without describing my encounter with Nebraska Jack and his remarkable family. Frontier Gentlemen. an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you this latest report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Seven mornings a week on CBS Radio, the World News Roundup presents accurate eyewitness reports on the big news stories of the day. The World News Roundup puts you in touch with the great news capitals while you breakfast or drive to work. Start each day fully informed. Hear these reports direct from where the news is happening as most of these same stations bring you the World News Roundup. At the top of the day or late in the evening, hear all the news on CBS Radio. <laughs> Starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman.
was on my way to the South Pass district. We were driving through Little Snake Country when the stagecoach in which I was riding developed a hot box. That is to say, one of the wheels, through lack of grease, had clogged and would no longer turn. The axle became red hot. And so when we limped into the next stage station, there was no choice but to wait for repairs a matter of two or three hours. I decided to rent a horse and was told by the attendant that if I rode down to the river, I should pay my respects to Nebraska Jack. Yes, sir. Now, if I was a stranger in these parts, I'd sure want to amble down and make his acquaintance. What does he do? Do? He don't do nothing right now, except sit around and take his ease. It's what he did that counts, mister. Old Jack. Ain't nothing much he can't tell you about the opening up of this country. That is, if he feels like it. Now, if I was you, I'd buy me a bottle of gut warmer and take it on down to him. Best way I know to loosen up his talking talents. Oh? Uh-huh. Well, uh, do you happen to know where I could... Uh, so find... happens I got a couple of bottles right here. Yeah, old Jack's favorite brand. Never drinks nothing else. I reckon he's about due for a refill. He'll take it real kindly, mister. Uh, how much? Uh, three dollars. Three? Oh, yeah, three dollars. And one dollar for the horse. Uh, Thirty for the saddle. Don't care about the horse, but good saddles is hard to come by. Of course, you get the 30 back when you bring in the saddle. I see. Yes, sir. Now, you come out back. I'll get you fixed up. Well, how do I find this place? Ain't nothing to it. Just follow the wagon road till you come to a sign saying Nebraska Jack's place. Keep out. Here's a trail right down to the river. You can't miss it. Ah, here's mighty fine little horse. Ain't got nothing to worry about with him. Get you there and get you back. He's just a bit uh, sway-backed, wouldn't you say? Him? Shucks, no. That's just the way he's made. That there's a real clear-footed rocking chair critter. He'd give you any trouble, though. You just lay your quirt on his get-up end. He'll do just fine. Just fine. As it turned out, my suspicions were correct. The clear-footed, gentle critter turned out to be what my friend Shorthorn Tom would have called, among other things, a whey-bellied stump sucker. The animal managed to stumble in every gopher hole and over every rock on the trail. In fact, he sought them out. I followed the wagon road until I reached the sign reading, Nebraska Jack's Place. Keep out. Then I turned off onto the river trail. I had gone about 300 yards when... Um, it's Nebraska Jack, isn't it? You're darn right. Can't you read the sign back yonder? Uh, yes. Oh. Oh. Next one, I'm going to shoot through the water barrel and drown you. Now, wait. I brought you some whiskey. Oh, all right, see. Here. And keep that bottle in sight. I'm riding this way slow. Slow and easy. Get a move on the move. Oh, that's close enough. Oh. Stop right there. Oh. I uh, <coughs> seen you got a gun, Pilgrim. Uh, don't you get itchy to use it. Just throw down that wild mare's milk, mm-hmm. you know. <coughs> well, now, that's mighty kindly of you, mister. Mighty kindly. You come down from the stage station, did you? That's right. <laughs> I thought so. Ollie Monaghan, he sent you over, huh? Well, I didn't catch his name. It was the station attendant. Ah, 
Ollie, oh, that's who it was. Every once in a while, he sends along some young green fella like you. Come out to see the world and Willie West. Sends him over to see old Nebraska Jack. <laughs> if I'm around, I usually throw some hot lead. Kind of makes them feel they're living dangerous. Yeah, I scared one fella so much a couple of months back he lost his horse. Ended up busting his head again at that tree over yonder. Really? <laughs> Fact. I like to die laughing. Yeah, come to think of it, he did too. Buried him under the tree. Well, now, you come on and follow me down to my shack. I'll get one of the women folk to rustle you up some grub. All right. <clears throat> you, uh, you live here with your family? Family? <laughs> Young fella, you ain't never seen a family in your born days like mine. Uh -huh. Big? Big! Oh, I, I lost count two years ago. But near as I can recollect, there's uh, five wives and 17 youngins. Or maybe it's 18 by now. One of the women's fixing to drop a calf any minute. I hope it's a boy this time. Last four have been little calicoes. Come on, let's go have a look, see. Nebraska Jack was a man of at least 70. Although not very tall, he still possessed the physique of a much younger man. His hair was long and white, and a fine, curly beard covered most of his face. He led me to what he called his shack. In actuality, it was more like a blockhouse, which stood three stories high. Situated on a rise above the river, it was quite an imposing sight. At the river's edge, I noticed a half a dozen or more naked children of varying ages. They saw him, waved happily, and went back to their play in the water. You can tie the horse up here. Right. Rose! Oh, Rosie! We got company. Put on the coffee. I'd offer you a drink, but uh, I ain't got more than enough for myself. Besides, a fellow your age don't want nothing to do with whiskey. Just rot your stomach clean through. Uh, uh, you don't have to say nothing to Rosie about me drinking. Oh, no, no. Of course not. Mister, you sure are polite. Are you a territorial senator or something? <laughs> no. Newspaper correspondent. Name's J.B. Kendall. Oh, that's so. Uh, let's go ahead in. That's my room through there. Did you build this place yourself, Jack? Uh, me and the older boys finished it last year. Of course, if the family keeps it growing, I'll, I'll have to be adding, I guess. Wait, sit shut, Kendall. Thank you. That's there. Newspaper correspondent, huh? English, ain't you? Yeah. I thought so, yeah. Gee, <laughs> ever heard of an English writer feller called uh, Ruxton? Oh, yes. Uh, he was up in these parts years back. Oh, I see him. Nice fella. Of course, there was mostly Indians around here then. You know, you could go a year and not see a white man. Were you born in the West? No, I come out from Ohio when I was 12. Since then, I done and seen just about everything a man can in his natural life. I'd like to hear about it. Oh, you got a week? <laughs> no, only an hour or so, I'm afraid. No, I've got to catch the Rock Springs stage. Well, I'll just kind of wipe the brush over it. Yeah, I've been a trader, prospector, guide, scout. I freighted and trapped with Jim Bridger. You hear of Jim Bridger, ain't you? Oh, I should say so. And I used to run a ferry across the Green River on the Oregon Trail. I killed Indians and white men. I still got two bullets in my leg and a piece of ute arrow in my backside. Oh, long about 15 years ago, I was getting on past 60. I figured it was time to settle down, get me a wife. Trouble was, 
I drifted away at the Indians so long I felt more like them than mankind. So I up and married one. Oh, fine woman. But I thought you said that, that, that you had five wives, wasn't it? And that's right. But I didn't wed up with them all at once. First wife, she was Rappaho Nelly. She got kind of lonesome for woman company, so her cousin come to visit her. That was Mary. That was the second wife. Then there was Piney and Mandy and Rosie. Two Shoshone, one Ute. And, uh, and, and they all get on together? Uh, well, sure. <laughs> Ain't no reason why they shouldn't. Coffee in Nebraska. Well, that's just fine. Kendall, I want you to meet Rosie. This here's J.B. Kendall, Rosie. Hi, this is, uh, Nebraska. Say, now, I, I, I plumb forgot, Rosie. How's Piney doing, huh? She calved yet? I told you before, Nebraska, no talk like that. Piney have baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. well, she have baby yet? No. Soon. Oh. Maybe tonight. Uh, uh, where's uh, where, where's Nellie? She downriver looking to your trap line. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what about Mary? Nebraska, you getting old in the head. You disremember everything. You send Mary and Mandy to fetch in sheep. That's <laughs> a nightly forgot. Nebraska. <coughs> huh? Let me smell breath. Uh, Whiskey! Where are you hiding? Oh, no, no, Rosie. No, no, we Rosie. All right, fine. This Kendall, he bring it? Well, I... I no I, whiskey. I, I... How many times I tell you, no whiskey. He drink one of these days, he cash in his chips. No whiskey, Nebraska. You hear? Mm, yes, ma'am. This Kendall. He stay for grub. No, no. Thank you very much. I'll have to be going. Oh, now, now, now. You don't have to do that. Why, Rosie here, she fixes the best chuck you ever said it to. No, me. no, really. The coach. Uh, you uh, got your baggage up there at the stage station? Yes, and... Uh... Oh, shucks. I'll get one of the boys to bring it down for you. You take the next coach out tomorrow. Sure, sure. You stay overnight. Oh, wait, we got plenty of room. Well, it's very kind of you. You hear that, Rosie? Don't he talk just fine, real educated. Now, you send one of the boys in, uh, Little Jack. Little Jack plucking chickens. What you want with him? Oh, what about Ben? Ben cutting wood. Joe catching fish. Mary's Pete heading down. Nellie's Pete helping. All right. I guess I'll just have to do it myself then. Do what? Go with Kendall up to the stage station and fetch in his baggage. Oh, no. No. I know what happens. You go to station, that Ollie Monaghan. He sell you whiskey. Oh, no. Rosie, it ain't so, I, I swear. Uh, Kendall. Oh, no. Kendall, you wouldn't even let me smell the bottle now, would you? Oh, no. Well, I'm sure that I... There, 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 you see? Now, Kendall here, he's English, and when he gives his word... Oh, well, Rosie, you ain't got a thing to worry about. Oh, no. Kendall go to station himself, fetch baggage. You stay here, Nebraska. Well, you can't ask a guest to do that, Rosie. It ain't hospitable. Well, there's no trouble. I don't mind in the least. Uh, 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 what do you figure he's going to say about us in his newspaper? We make him go fetch baggage his own self. Don't matter what he say. I know read any house. Now, you hold on, woman. I got patience, but I tell you, it's thin and fast. I'm the head man in this here house, and I'm telling you. I'm a-going with Kendall to fetch his baggage. You go to stage station, get drunk. Who says When you I'm... come back, you'll be sorry. Who says I'm going to get drunk? Tonight. Wife Piney having baby. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Me and Kendall will be back before dark. You remember what I tell you, Nebraska. This is the last time you drink whiskey. 
You no have woman. You no have kids. You no have nothing. Although I tried to dissuade him, Nebraska Jack insisted upon accompanying me. He must have known what was in my mind because by the time he had saddled up his horse, shown me a shortcut which took us five miles out of our way to the stage station, my coach bound for the South Pass District had already gone. We went into the waiting room. Well, that's the way things, see. Something told me there was a deceitful thought in your eye. Yes, sir. You was going to take off in that there coach and leave me high and dry down to the river now, wasn't you, <laughs> I must admit the thought did cross my mind. I figured, so you know what I done? I made you miss your coach. That's what I done. <laughs> hey, Ollie! Yeah? It's Nebraska Jack. Right in, Jack. Yes, sir. Now, where's he keep that whiskey of mine? Jack, why did you want me to miss my coach? Why? Well, I'll tell you. As long as I'm with you, I'm safe. Safe? Well, that's what I say, boy. Because when I start in bending an elbow, there's no telling what happens. Sometimes I just get plumb sleepy, and other times, well, sir, I, I, I just go on the warpath. Ain't no sense to it, but I like to get mad as a bear with two cubs and a sore tail. Yes, but I still don't understand what I've got to do with it. Well, you, you heard what Rosie said. If I come home drunk, you heard. Yes. Well, I'm going to just let you keep an eye on me. You're going to hold me down. And as soon as you calculate I've had enough, you're going to take me on home before I get drunk. What happens if you don't want to go? Well, don't matter what I want. You've got to make me. You heard what she said. Now, now, now you give me your word. You, you'll do it. All right. Uh, howdy, Nebraska. Ain't seen you for a spell. Howdy, Ollie. Say, uh, my friend here, he wants to buy a bottle of your red eye. <laughs> sure, sure. How's the wives, Nebraska? Oh, fair, fair, fair. And the kids? Oh, they're just fine, fine. Oh, keep it in the safe now, huh? That's right. Oh, only two bottles left, Nebraska. You want them both? And I, I, I guess what? Uh, you, you figure, Kendall? Uh, frankly, no. Uh, you just put it to the side, Ollie. We'll start with one. Sure, Nebraska. Oh, that'll be four dollars each, mister. Four? The last bottle was only three. Yeah, but this one is two weeks aged. Best in the house. Wait a minute, Nebraska. I'll, I'll get some mugs. No sense of you drinking alone. <laughs> sure. Well, don't you give none to Kendall. He's too young to guzzle. Besides, he's promised to get me home sober. And that's just what he's going to do. Ain't that so, Kendall? the Red Cross serves, you serve too. You help the family whose home is lost by flood. The young soldier far away from home, the housewife learning home nursing, the youngster who wants to swim. Yes, wherever the Red Cross serves, you serve too. Support your Red Cross. Contribute to the Red Cross for members and funds. Answer the call. Join and serve. Exactly one hour later, Nebraska Jack and Ollie Monaghan had demolished one bottle of what must have been the most violent whiskey in Wyoming territory. Monaghan had almost completely lost his voice and was trying to sing a song that he swore his mother had taught him. 
I found the words were somewhat obscure. Nebraska Jack had a peculiar gleam in his eye and was viewing the other whiskey bottle with great interest. It stood on the table beside my elbow. Uh, are, are, are you married, Kendall? No. I'm married, Kendall. I taught him to talk English. That's uh, the worst thing I ever done. Now they think like a white woman. Well, that's worse yet. Now, let's open the other bottle. No. Well, you don't touch me. <laughs> you think I'm going to get drunk? <laughs> you are drunk. Oh, well, that is a lie. Now, Nebraska, you know what your wife said would happen this time. I'm going to tell you something about my wife. Rosie, oh, she's the worst. Uh, I'm going to go home and... I'm going to scalp her. Right now, I'm going to scalp her. You want my opinion, she'll end up scalping you. They all will. Uh, uh, Rosie's a ute. Now, I got a piece of ute arrow on my backside. Never trust the ute. They want to ruin your life. Hmm. What about the others? Oh, they're all right. Nellie, Mary, Amanda, Piney. What's that Rosie? Ain't fitting for a woman to be so mean. You hear how she talks to me? Oh, give me that bottle of whiskey. Nope. I get through with you. Your kin won't be known you from fresh hides. Now, come on, come on. Give me that bottle. Don't you want to be able to see your new son? What new son? Piney. She's going to have her baby tonight. Oh. You know, Kendall, I'm bad news. I ain't even worth stomping on. Fact. Ain't right for a father to carry on so. All them kids at home, no pa to set them on the right trail. All them good wives are fixing and fussing over me. I'm just a no good walking whiskey vat. Uh, I was about to drink, partner. Sorry. Uh, he's my pal, see? Partner. Oh, not you, you sidewinder. You trying to get me drunk? I got me a home with all them fine wives and kids. You know, Rosie will make them all pull stakes. She's you. She'll just do it. Come on, Jack. I'll take you home. You can sober up on the way. Uh, uh, it ain't no use. New baby won't be no boy. It'll be a girl. Another girl. Sure, you're alive. That'll make five girls in three years. No, sir, fellas. I ain't the man I used to be. I might as well get drunk. Open it up the bottle, Bart. Open it up, Kendall. No. Now, don't you go getting me frothy, mister. I don't particularly care if you foam at the mouth. I made you a promise, and I intend to keep it. Although I have no idea why I should. You are going home. I'm telling you, give me that bottle. If you don't, I'm going to wrap your arms about your neck and give you the strangle. Hang up his eye, Nebraska. Clear his plow. Now, you, my friend, are a bad influence. Go away. All right, Jack. Come on. You shouldn't have done that, boy. You're reaching for trouble. I'm going to have to whip you down a mite. Come on, draw. I'm not going to fight you, Jack. Draw, you sniveling, long-eared wood pussy. I'm giving you a chance to fill your hand. And if you don't do it, I'm going to shoot you down like a sick coyote. I won't draw. Come on. No, go on, shoot. Say your prayers. Pop, Say Pop, Mama Rosie says if you ain't drunk, you've got to come home right away because Mama Piney give us a new baby brother. And if you air drunk, then you stay out of the way or she'll take an axe to you. <laughs> 
Did you hear that? Yes. Uh, a, a boy. That, that's what she said, wasn't it? That's what she said. A boy. Now, that surely is a something. You better go home and see your son, Jack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I reckon so. Say, you figure me for a pretty big fool, huh? Mm, I think it'd be an idea if you put away the gun. No, I'm just an alkali old man who ain't got the sense I was born with. At least, I'm getting sober mighty quick. That's good. You know, I'd take it as a kindness if if, if you'd ride with me. Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I ain't saying I blame you, but it'll be a pleasure to have you see the noon. Well, if I won't be in the way... I... In the way? Mister, with five women and 18 kids, how are you going to be in the way? Go on, let's go. Nebraska Jack was completely sober by the time we arrived. The newcomer was of incredible size, weighing, I should judge, at least 14 pounds. The image of his father, with a thatch of curly black hair and a pair of immense lungs, his bellowing lasted far into the night. However, I was able to forgive him, considering his parents had done me the honor of naming him J.B. Kendall. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns, Jack Moyles, and Virginia Gregg. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking. <laughs>